Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tauber Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. Now, on to the show. Hey, everybody, this is Jerry Kopak sitting in for Tauberly this week. When I'm not building spreadsheets as the finance guy for warm showers, I'm usually off riding my bike, either in Colorado or some remote mountain region in the world. Today, I'm hanging out with Adriel Klein, an activist and longtime member of Warm Showers. Adriel has biked across the United States twice and along the way met a very special someone as a Warm Showers host. He's also finishing a book about his experiences and all the Warm Showers hosts that made such an impact on his life. Adriel, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jerry. So I have so many questions. And I got to tell you, I'm a bit of a closet romantic. And so I'm just curious, who was the special someone that she met as a Warm Showers host? Yeah. And you don't need to give any names. Right, right. Yeah. So um, so on my second tour across the country, um, I was traveling solo, um, really just wanted to do this trip and see who I met along the way. And uh, little did I know, I stayed at a Warm Showers host, was expecting to stay with uh, an elderly guy. Um, his granddaughter opened the door, uh, <laughs> right about my age, uh, sort of just exactly the perfect kind of timing and everything. And, um, we, uh, yeah, we, we hit it off to a great note to start with. And, uh, actually I invited her to join me and she joined me for about 2000 miles of the rest of my journey from, uh, from St. Charles, uh, Missouri, all the way to Astoria, Illinois on the, uh, Transamerica trail. So, uh, so yeah, it happened to be that, uh, you know, I, I started solo, but, but, uh, was able to, to find a uh, company along the way. Whoa. 2000 miles. That is, uh, that's equivalent of basically throwing somebody not into the deep end of the pool, but the ocean during a hurricane. So you really will get to, to know a person. And so myself, I've traveled through 18 countries by bike majority of them solo, a couple of times with a few friends, but I've never traveled with a partner until recently. I, I went to India for a month last month with my partner. And I will say that there's definitely some, some different aspects to traveling solo versus with a partner. As you know, mm -hmm. having already traveled across the country once, I'm guessing solo, you know what you're capable of, you know how resilient you are, you know when you need to stop for food or just stop pedaling. But now when you're traveling with a partner, it becomes this sort of decision by committee. So how mm -hmm. was it traveling with a partner versus solo? Yeah, uh, it was a lot different. Um, and I had to adapt, clearly. Um, I Overall, I thought it was much better. But some things about myself is like, I'm not a coffee guy in the morning. I, <laughs> I can just get up and go. And uh, it became a constant thing like every morning. Uh, oh wait, there's this other thing, coffee, which adds all this all this complication into the equation. Oh, do we have a complete coffee maker here? I didn't carry a French press or anything with me, so um, we always had this extra step. That at first I was like, oh man, like this is gonna like you know we're not gonna be able to get an early of a start. We're gonna be out in the heat of the day because we're spending an extra hour finding it. Um, so things like that that we just had to adapt to. Um, and overall, 
overall, I would say the the experience was 10 times better um, riding with a companion, despite the things that may have seemed like an inconvenience to me. But I think that's just a testament to any sort of relationship that, that there's sacrifices you have to make for the other person to make sure you're both comfortable. Completely agree. And I just got tripped up when you said, I don't carry a French press. Do, do people do that? Is that a thing? Uh, I mean, if you're, I, I would assume if you're, if you're a coffee snob, you, you make sure you have your equipment with you. Um, oh. And I mean, I, I, I don't know too much about coffee, but I, I assume that's like the easiest way to bring something that's portable where you can have fresh coffee, unless you just have instant coffee and put it in. But I'm, I'm sure if you're a coffee snob, instant coffee is uh, not, uh, not one of the best choices. I'm not a coffee person either, but I, I wouldn't know the difference. So it sounds like you've traveled across the country twice by bike. Mm-hmm. What uh, what was the impetus for this? How did this become a thing? Yeah, I mean, the first time, um, basically, I heard about this trip called Bike and Build, which was a charity ride across the U.S. Uh, with about 30 other young adults. You do it for affordable housing, so you help along the way. Um, building houses with uh, organizations like Habitat for Humanity. And when I heard about it, I was like, it was like like a dream. Like whenever I would be perusing their website and and it was just like, holy cow, this is something that I absolutely want to do. And throughout college, I kept having something in the way. I was coming back from a study abroad. Um, after my sophomore year, I was doing an internship after my junior year to get ahead on like kind of the career aspect of things. And finally, after senior year, after I was done with college, um, was able to do the trip and was just, it just, I, I liked biking before that, but this just like started an obsession, an obsession for me. And especially with some of the other people on the trip that their love for bikes spread to me as well. Um, and, uh, after I finished that trip, um, I was just biking as much as I could just on my own through the local group rides and everything. And uh, until a certain point where I was working kind of your regular nine to five. And I was just like, I need to do this again um, and decide to try something new and go self-supported. So that's when my second tour came into place um, and uh, just took off on my own, stayed with a lot of warm showers hosts. So uh, really thank you to every host that, that, <laughs> makes this experience possible. I think I probably would have gone home with my tail between my legs if I was out there camping alone. Um, and uh, just to have have that support of people who want to encourage others to to go do great things like this, it, it was amazing. So did you grow up as uh, as a bike rider? I asked because for me personally, I think ever since I could walk, and probably not quite literally, but nearly as literally as soon as I could walk, I was on a bike and bikes have always been a part of my life. And so for me to transition into either bike racing or bike touring, it just kind of felt natural because bikes were comfortable. They were familiar to me. What was your background in, in biking? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, my dad has always been putting us on bikes since we were an early age, I think got the training wheels off like three years old or something like that. Um, and, um, I grew up in the Boston suburbs. We would do our half mile loop around the around the neighborhood. Um, always loved it. And as a kid, I would always be the one that that uh, passed on getting a ride from my parents and said, "Oh, I'll bike over to my friend's house on my own." And just I loved that independence. Um, when I was in high school, I did my first ride from my house to the ocean and back, which was a forty mile ride, and it was Whoa. like, you know, this is a huge thing for me to be able to do that on my own and, and just 
fell kind of in love with the thrill of like getting places by your own power. Um, and so in college, I was at Boston University, wasn't really the the best place to be riding around. So sort of took a backseat to that and gone to got into running actually, and uh, did my first marathon and then found that running was was causing me injuries and went back into uh, the cycling side of things because uh, I just felt like it was just making me stronger um, rather than the running, which I don't know if it's due to poor form or not. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I've always, always loved bikes, but really it took, um, it went into a whole nother level when I started going on bike touring. Okay. So do you think if you hadn't come across that organization that you eventually would have found your way into bike touring? Uh, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I mean, like, did that, you, like, that, did you have any friends or people that you knew who were doing this and like, Hey, that sounds really cool. Maybe I'll join you for a, an overnighter or, or a weekend trip. No, no, really, really wasn't, uh, wasn't like that. And of, of my close friends, really, I don't know if many of them have done, uh, maybe, uh, with the exception of a couple, um, it, it's never been a super popular thing among my, my friend group. So, I don't know. Without bike and build, maybe my life would have taken a different turn. Cool. Are you still involved with that organization? Um, not quite. Um, I eventually did a smaller ride uh years after bike and build, where it was through the Pacific Northwest, like a two-week trip. So okay. I stayed involved through that. Um and uh yeah, uh, but but currently I am not not quite um uh, involved, I would love to get back into something with them. Yeah. So when you went back for round two across the country, you went fully self-supported, right? Mm -hmm. And did you take a, a similar route or just completely different route? Like, did you go north? Did you go south or just right through the heartland? Um, it was similar at parts. There were actually two points of the journey where I crisscrossed. Okay. Where my route from the past time, and it was actually really amazing seeing like, wow, I was on this exact road in uh, Peoria, Illinois, just like kind of a random place. Um, but both routes were kind of a central U.S. But the second time, I went a bit more north, following the Trans America route. So yeah, both times I went through Kansas and Colorado. But the second time, I went up through uh, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho. Um, and uh, the first time, I was more a bit central. Went through. Uh, um, route 50 in Nevada and went through, went finished in San Francisco area. And what year was this, this most recent trip? Uh, the, the second bike tour was in 2016. Okay. And did that, did that tour of the trans America goes through Colorado? I think it might even go through Breckenridge. Did, did yours go through Breckenridge? Yes. Yep. We went through Breckenridge. Um, and then it heads up North through, Walden, Colorado, yeah. and then yeah. uh, up through Wyoming from yeah, there. Yeah, the reason I bring that is because I live in Breckenridge, and as a Warm Showers host and also a Warm Showers user and bike tour, uh, I host a lot of people who are on the the Transamerica routes and also the Great Divide routes. So I get to meet a lot mm. of cyclists along the way. So just wondering if maybe our paths would have crossed, but 16, 2016 would have been six years ago. I don't think I would have met you then. So yeah, yeah. Hey, if I'm if I'm if I'm doing it again, I'll let you know. I'd love to meet up. Please. At, 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 at that point, please do. Uh, so as someone who's done bike tours myself, and as you know, with any journey of this length across the country, there's inevitably things that are just going to go wrong. You can only plan so much. What was one of those times that you looked at yourself like, holy crap, how am I going to get myself out of this one? 
Or was there one? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I would say wind. 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 Yeah. Wind can either make you or break you. And uh, you <laughs> never know what it's, you never know what's going to happen. Um, in Wyoming, we had, I think, a crosswind of a probably over 20 mile per hour crosswind that actually blew over my riding partner, like took the wheels out from under her, fell off on her bike. Luckily, she was fine. Just just a couple scrapes. But um, things like that. And that's why I'll, I was always trying to be like, all right, let's get started early. Like no time for coffee, just go because, um, typically later <laughs> yeah. in the day is when the wind picks up. So, uh, I would say that was kind of the most perilous thing. Um, and also maybe some roads in Idaho that, that were a, a bit narrow and, and with, with, um, trucks and stuff. So I would definitely promote whatever safety precautions people are taking. Um, and if you can do an off, off, uh, road trail i know the great american rail trail is on its way to yeah uh do coast to coast all off off road so um that was like a dream of mine before this happened and the fact that they're making progress every day to to make that a possibility is amazing so were you on road bikes then skinny tires yes okay yep we were on road bikes okay uh have you you mentioned rails to trails do you have an interest in doing more of an off-road tour at some point um, that's a great question. Um, I have always been more of a road bike guy and okay. really mountain bike. I haven't really done much of that since I was in my childhood when I had a mountain bike and went, went around that way. So I love road biking and I haven't really experienced too much with mountain biking. I'd love to give it a try. Um, yeah. but it's just not something that I've really, uh, dove into yet. I know like the, um, great a uh, great divide trail uh, across the rockies is is mostly off off road yeah. um would love to experiment with that at some point but I've never done it so far well I, I will say as someone who has traveled the other direction with uh with fat knobby tires uh i've been passed by people on road bikes going three times as fast as me and that has always been a little bit disheartening so i know that you can yeah. definitely gobble up more miles per day on a road bike so that's that definitely is something that has been Peaking my interest a little bit. So we'll see. Uh, mm. Let's see. Um, trail snacks. For me personally, in my frame bag, I always have a jar of peanut butter. That's kind of always my go-to staple. When traveling, did you have any sort of staple foods that you always kept or things that you craved at the end of the day? Yeah, for me, same here. Peanut butter, uh, great, great source of energy, protein, you know, fat. It's got it all, some carbs. Um, and then I just did tortillas along with that because it's just very dense, doesn't take a lot of room. Also, a great source of carbs. I mean, uh, it's it's so yeah, that was my thing. Um, tortillas, peanut butter, eventually maybe a little bit of honey to sweeten it up at some point. Sure, but I I could I could just go for days on that. I know, uh, you know, when you start riding with other people, it's like, oh, okay, well, we need to make the diet a bit more complex. But I tried at the end of the of my ride to kind of fuel up on more nutritious things like vegetables and, and, and fruits and all that. Um, maybe throwing a banana in that in that tortilla with peanut butter. But, uh, at a certain point you're just like, my body needs fuel. So what's, what's it going to take? And, uh, that's, that's my main thing. Bananas for me, didn't always travel so well for me traveling on dirt roads or even like hiking, biking trails with my, with my bike. I would throw them in either my frame bag or someplace else. And usually halfway through the day, they would come out looking like baby food because it just got knocked yeah. around so much. So I love bananas and they are available every place that I've traveled, either in the United States or in the world. But they, their their shelf life, so to speak, was uh, was a little more questionable for me. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, if you take the peels off and throw them in the tortilla at the beginning of the day, I mean, Ooh. it maybe it lasts for, for one day, but yeah, if you're going to have that for multiple days, smart. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just get it prepped beforehand. But like, if you're even like tortilla and peanut butter, you don't need to worry about that. Like that's not going bad uh, within, you know, the next week or two, you know, so that's, so, that's a great food. At the end of your, at the end of your trip, when you made it to, did you say Oregon? Yes. Were you feeling like, whew, I'm ready to be done or were you just in the groove? Um, I actually at the, at the end of my, both my cross country tours, I was kind of heartbroken. I like, it was just so yeah. thrilling that, uh, both times when I, when I hit the ocean, I cried, um, just, just to realize, wow, coast to coast, like seeing this whole country and you don't even, ex you don't really even realize it until the end when you're done and it just hits you. So both times I've been sad. Like I joke, I joked that I wish there was like more land to like keep going West even further. Um, but, um, yeah, both times was just sad when I finished, but also just appreciative that I had the opportunity to do it. So I, I can really relate to that. And that's definitely inspirational. So I know that along the Along your ride, there's going to be days that are dark, whether it's raining sideways or it's 37 degrees or just something that makes it miserable. And then as you get closer and closer to your end points, for me personally, I've always had this mentality that no matter how terrible this moment is, this time is a gift and you'll miss it when it's gone. Did you have similar feelings like that through those dark times, but still knowing that there was this end point sort of looming out there ominously waiting for you to get there? Yeah, I mean, I think it is sort of a metaphor for life that whatever it is, like those hard times, like being able to keep going through that and overcoming it makes the accomplishment of of finishing and not quitting even more satisfying. Um, and I think, you know, I, I talk about it. I um, basically I talk about it in my book, but when you get to the end, all of those memories that you talked about the cold, the heat, everything just comes, comes back like a reel through your head. And, and you're just appreciative that you were able to stick it out and, and keep overcoming those. Yeah. So for people who are listening to this, they're thinking, wow, that's incredible. This, this guy rode his bike across the country. I don't know if I'm capable of doing that. That seems hard. Are there things that you could tell people simply just to sort of get them started? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, the, like, the I was it was funny because when I was thinking about doing my second tour, I was like, how do I even do this? And I came across an article that said it's it's a three step process. One is buy a bike. Two is quit your job. And three is leave. And I was like, wow, <laughs> I they, love that. So they simple, really, right? Uh, yeah, they really boiled it down. And, uh, um, you know, clearly that that depends on each person's circumstance. But um, if you're not willing to to do that, um you know, there's always great local rides you can do if you live in one city, bike to another city nearby and take the train back. Um, if you live in a place like St. Louis, where the Katy Trail is right there, um, yeah. that's an amazing opportunity to be completely off trail. Upstate New York has the Erie Canal Trail. Um, there's all these places across the country with amazing routes, uh, even, even in other countries as well. Um, but just to scope out, hey, where can I even bike from for my house and set a destination and say, I want to get to there and, and you know, either make it a loop or find your way back. But um, definitely just either sm start small or 
or just do the three-step process and make it work for you. <laughs> I love that. I never heard that before, but it just make it sound so easy, right? But ultimately, it sounds like just start pushing pedals and take it one pedal at a time. Exactly. Today's episode is brought to you by bikeflights.com, the leading bicycle shipping service and bike box supplier for cyclists. You'll enjoy low costs, excellent service, and on-time delivery with every shipment. And you get preferred handling for your high-value bikes, wheels, and gear. As a brand built around a love for the outdoors, they are committed to reducing environmental impact, and every bike flight's shipment is carbon neutral. Join the nearly 1 million cyclists who have used bike flights to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009 and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track all of your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today for more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. So you had mentioned that through your travels, you had met so many amazing people along the way. I don't know. Tell me about some of those experiences that that made such a, an impact on your life. Yeah. I mean, I was just blown away by warm showers host. Um, and one story I'll, 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 uh, I'll share that was super um, surprising and amazing was I was arriving at a farmer's house in a rural town in Illinois and he cooked me dinner, super friendly guy, uh, having a blast. And after dinner, he said, what's the, what's the smallest plane you've ever been on? I said, I don't know, <laughs> Boeing 77, like what, uh, you know, your standard standard, uh, aircraft. And he said, how'd you like to go up on a two seater? I was like, uh, what? Yes. Yes, please. And, uh, he, he drove over, we drove over in his truck. He said, I said, do I need anything? He said, not at all. You don't even need your shoes. Uh, <laughs> I literally went barefoot, uh, in the so car. You, with this you took guy. him up on that. I'm not going to wear shoes. Like, yeah, said, I, I don't I have to wear shoes. I'm not going to wear shoes. I had my flip flops somewhere, but I couldn't find them. <laughs> and the opportunity was exciting. I was a bit flustered and I just went, um, and, uh, he took me out on his, on his little plane and, uh, the sun had already set and uh we actually got to watch the sunset again just going up there um he he kind of i had the headphones on and he was yeah, pointing yeah. out features like just basically showing me showing me his his backyard basically and uh um things like that that you would never imagine i, I don't want to set the expectation but whatever warm showers host you get right. to you're gonna get a free flight out of it um but i mean there was just this sense of of welcoming people and this sense of this generosity that I didn't, I didn't know I deserved from, from all these hosts. So ah, for awesome. everyone who does that, uh, like you guys are amazing and thank you. And did you ever wonder like, why does this guy have a plane out here? Why did he have a plane? Yeah. I mean, he was saying like, Hey, I live sort of in the middle of nowhere and to get anywhere, uh, driving would take forever. So that he, is I, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he had, he had, um, you know, a successful farm and he goes to farming conventions in other States and, uh, it was just easier to get around by plane. So, uh, he got his pilot license and, and that's how he, he gets, gets not, not everywhere, but that's how he, he gets to places that aren't convenient for him that are uh, not, not driving distance away. So that's incredible. I've, like I said, I am a warm showers host. I have stayed with warm showers host and I've met some incredible people, but I've never got a barefooted plane ride. So that's, yeah. that's fantastic. 
I guess I need yeah. to spend more time touring through Illinois because that's where all the plane rides happen, maybe. Hey, just look up Warm Showers, Illinois. Try each one until, <laughs> until you find them. <laughs> so I want to pivot and talk about this book that you just wrote. So tell me, how did you decide to write a book? Or did you wake up one day when you were a little kid and say, hey, I want to write a book? Not quite. So it was something I was thinking about for a while about, oh, would it be cool if I had my autobiography? And I always thought, oh, I'm not qualified for that. You know, what have, what have I done to, to be able to write an autobiography? And um, that was something maybe 10 years ago I, I was thinking about. And then uh, recently I started reading more books and I read this book called Money Honey by Rachel Richards, which is not even related to bicycles at all. It's just a book about financial well-being and how to keep track of your finances. Um, and at the end of the book, she talks about how um, like she wasn't an expert in writing books. She wasn't, that wasn't her thing, but she was passionate about this thing about finance and she wanted to share it with other people. So at the end, she had mentioned here's another resource if you want to look into it some more. I sort of got sucked in and was reading about that. And I just figured that I've had experiences in my life that I, have, I haven't done everything, but I've done enough that I've learned a lesson or two to share about my experiences. And um, I've read a bunch of other um, autobiographies and memoirs that have had such a great impact on me. And I was basically inspired by all these different stories. Um, one of them is Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Um, okay. Another another one is Tough by Terry Crews. Basically, these books that it's not by any certain expert in writing. It's just by standard people who have a story to share and think that they have something positive that they can give back with it. So when I was reading these things and, and really got inspired by them, um, I thought about my life and what can I give and what's my main message I'm trying to give out. And it actually came to me when I was riding, doing a bike tour around this time last year, maybe a little bit later, um, when I was riding up the coast of Florida, I was completing the whole coast. Um, oh, wow. At this point, I was doing, I had done Miami to Key West before. At this point, I was doing Miami to Jacksonville. And I had a really hard day in front of me. It was supposed to be a century ride. And you never know with the wind in Florida. It can be, <laughs> we talked about wind. It can be relentless headwind. And I had a huge tailwind the whole day. Uh, but just, yeah. just pushing me along. It was fantastic. I was barely even riding in it. And I was going, I was gaining good speed. And um, at a certain point, I, I felt like almost... Like I had it too good. Like this is, <laughs> I, I was ready for this challenge and I'm not. And um, at that point, I realized it was a metaphor for my life and that my life, I've been blessed with all this tailwind. I've had a good family. I've had um, really a great education and upbringing and that uh, the tailwind is there for a reason and it's there to do more and to go faster. Maybe that 100 miles you can do now in a, in a lot of a, fa uh, a much faster time. And that tailwind is basically your obligation to help those that are going through the headwind. So, Oh, that's terrific. Yeah. And so that's why I named it harnessing tailwind because you need to, for, for those that, that do have those advantages in their life. Um, at least I realized for me that I need to take advantage of those to 
uh, to do the best I can to go above and beyond. And not that it's about bike riding, but that's sort of where it starts with taking care of yourself, taking care of your body and, and then going beyond that to, to help other people. Oh man, I, I love that metaphor about that tailwind. There are, there are so many times in life that we think that I've done all this hard work myself, but you bring up a good point. We don't all have the same starting line in life. And it mm-hmm. sounds like you had a starting line that was that was really helpful by having a good family and good support and education. And so I think your story will be really inspirational for those people who who read it to to sort of see the light and the opportunity in, in the world. Thank you. Yes, I'm I'm hoping the same too. So that book is out now or is it coming soon? So the ebook will be ready tomorrow, December tomorrow. 23rd. Yes, nice. the ebook okay. will be ready tomorrow and the hardcover will be ready by New Year's. Dude, exciting. How do you feel about that? I'm so excited. I've been working <laughs> on this for a while. Uh, you know, there's all these little, I mean, I, I know you're an author as well, so I'm sure you're aware of all these little last minute things of these sure. tweaks and how do I format the table of contents? Just like these little <laughs> things that that keep adding up. And finally, when you're ready, I'm actually at the point where I can literally press the button to publish this. Um, and it just feels amazing to be able to get this out there and see what people think. So I just have to ask, you are starting to think about writing autobiography and what age were you thinking about this? I think I was, it was probably when I was maybe 20 years old. Cause so, you know, that's not a, a common age for people to start thinking about autobiographies, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was reading these other autobiographies and I was like, Hey, why not me? Yeah, and it was sort of like a exactly. joke. And then uh, later I realized that, well, there's a difference from autobiography and memoir. Like one of my friends, I said, oh yeah, I'm doing an autobiography. And he's like, "Isn't aren't you a little young for an autobiography? And I'm like, maybe you're right. Maybe autobiography is the, <laughs> is the wrong word for this. Cause I'm not, you know, uh, Mahatma Gandhi or uh, Nelson Mandela or anything. So I instead use the word memoir because it just focuses on a certain stage of my life and a certain... Um, message I'm trying to give out. It's not documenting every part of my life. It's more just pickpocketing the points in my life where I think I can give enough of a story that has a good message to to give to other people. So um so so yes, I relabeled it as a memoir. Fair enough. That was <laughs> that's a good answer. Uh so I think at this point, we're going to transition into wrapping up. And I want to give the listeners out there who have had the pleasure of listening to you today, how are they going to find you and find your book and just follow along with whatever Adriel Klein is up to? Yes, exactly. So you can go to harnessingtailwind.com. That's harnessing with two S's, uh, or you can just Google search harnessing tailwind. It'll come up. Um, and you can either, uh, you, from there, I'll post all the information about downloading the ebook. Um, and links to the Amazon store, which you can uh, get the hardcover from if you're interested. Also, if you go on Amazon and you type in Harnessing Tailwind, it'll come up there as well. Um, I'm also starting a, part, a podcast as well, but because I've been inspired by things like this, where <laughs> you're you're helping bring voices to other people who are trying to promote things that are positive. So I've started the Harnessing Tailwind podcast. That's on Instagram, all one word, Harnessing Tailwind podcast. From there, I'll also be sharing uh, a bit of more information about the book so you can follow along and see updates there. Um, but yeah, the main thing, harnessingtailwind.com and would love to to uh, be able to 
get this out and impact impact people in a positive way. Uh, I love that, Adriel. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story. And everyone else out there is listening. Thanks for coming along with my conversation with Adriel Klein. As always, give us a like, a share on your social channels, or just tell your friends. These stories hopefully will inspire you to set off on your own bicycle adventure and maybe make the world feel a little bit smaller, one pedal stroke at a time. My name is Jerry Kopak, sitting in for Taverly, and I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.